run. Hello and welcome to Here's What You Could Have Run podcast, the podcast where I talk to real runners about their real race experiences. Normally I try and talk to the sort of average runner, the middle of the pack like most of us, but today we've got something a bit special. His name's David and he's taken on uh, quite an extreme race in the Coast to Coast race and it's not the sort of race that normal runners run. So we're going slightly off course and interviewing someone who came second in that race. Bit of a plot spoiler there for you. Uh, this weekend coming is a virtual London marathon where thousands will be running their own version of the race. There's a couple of real events on the Sunday such as Eton Dorney Marathon and events by Enigma and Phoenix running. But for most people, they're going to be doing their London as a solo or small group effort where they live. London have just released the app you're meant to use uh, to time your race and to upload results. Although they will also accept Garmin uploads, whichever your favourite running watch brand might be. There's been quite a lot of whining on social media about the hardship of having to carry your phone with you. Even though I think they made it quite clear when you signed up that they'd be releasing an app and expecting to use that. But people like a whinge on social media, don't they? Last weekend, I ran in the Noble Pro MK 5K PB race in Milton Keynes. This was a wave start 5K event with various COVID measures in place. And it really worked well. It's not a distance I race often. And when you signed up, you have to estimate your finish time. They could put you in the right wave. I guessed at 20 minutes, 20 seconds, which is a bit of a stab in the dark having not raced 5k all year. Seemed to work about right though. In the end, I managed to hold on for 19 minutes, 57 seconds. They so just got under 20, which for me is always a bit of a milestone. I like to try and get a sub 20 every year if I can. I didn't think I was going to make it this year. But it was good to make it if only by a few seconds. And the following wave after me I had the more proper runners we gradually were knocking down and running the low teens with the overall male and female winners were at 13.50 and 15.49. So that's ridiculously quick. On this podcast coming up then is David Harvey. He's found himself on the start line of many ultras and he's gone from aiming to just get around to setting ridiculous paces. In the recent 10th past 100, he knocked out an 18 hour finish despite a few stomach issues. He's here to talk to us about the Coast to Coast race, which is a small jog of a mere 140 miles across the entire width of England, covering the Lake District and the Pennines. It's put on by Mark Cobain of Cobain Events. So you'll know it'd be even more challenging than that initially sounds. It's a race I was very tempted to sign up to myself, but then common sense got the better of me and I decided not to enter. Be good to hear from him how he got on, and I'm secretly hoping he can dissuade me from entering any future years. With me now is David. Uh, David's just fresh back from the a minor little jaunt coast to coast uh, across 140 miles. So thanks for joining me, David. Oh, no, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good clear. to get you on because this is a race that I kind of half fancy myself, but then. Had a bit of common sense and decided it would probably break me. So uh, <laughs> it's certainly an interesting one. And as we get on to later, it's not not one that a lot of people manage to finish. So big achievement there for you. But sort of going back, uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into running? Because you didn't just wake up one day and decide to run 140 miles. No, no, it's been um, 
yeah, a few years of, of pain since I first started, <laughs> I guess. Um, so, yeah, no, um, I, I guess it's similar to other people's story, really, about how I started. I was um, probably 27-ish, smoked too much, drunk, had a hedonistic lifestyle, <laughs> um, had been through uni and, like, come out the other side and was pretty overweight, not very healthy, and just didn't really do any exercise, really. Um, I think I spent a lot of time... I'm massively into to like rock music, heavy metal, that kind of thing. So I was in a band and did a lot of touring so and gigging. Um, and like just didn't really have any time to do anything or didn't have any desire to do anything because like music was my thing. And, uh, and then I guess like when after uni and I started to put on a lot of weight, I thought I should probably do something. And I, I never really fancied going to the gym. Yeah. Is the, uh, it's just not my thing. I've always been a little bit more active. And I think when I was growing up, my mum made sure that I was outside and, you know, like keeping active. You know, we'd, we'd go start more every every year. And, you know, when, when I was sort of 11 or 12, I went and did three peaks. So I had, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> had always been outside doing stuff. So I think, like, just going to buy a pair of running shoes was the natural natural thing for me to do so uh yeah and it kind of went from there and it very quickly snowballed from running one mile to probably within a year running 100 miles with my mate lee stuart evans who i think you probably know from yeah (laughs) that's a big increase in a year i mean some people go from not really running to doing a marathon a year and that's a a pretty big achievement doing four times that is a repeat that's, yeah, yeah, that's impressive. And to do that presumably without breaking yourself or injuring or you know, no, that's right. the sport forever. Yeah, I think no, I had injured myself because I needed to have back surgery at some point around like maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, I'd had back surgery. Um I think the one one of the things about that was that I, I'd been really into running before that. Hmm. And uh, had done a few, had done this thing with Lee, which was just more of like a four day charity thing that we did, like going down the Green Sand Way and ran, I think it was 108 miles over four days. And then I, had to, I needed to go and have back surgery after that. And one of the things was just to say that to the guy, like, um, you know, I'll only do the surgery if I can, if I can run afterwards. And he was just, he just said, yeah, go for it. No problem. If you get this done, you'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> so I was like, Hey, fair enough. Cool. Um, so yeah. And then, and then I think after, after having back surgery two or three years later, maybe probably my first hundred mile in one go, which was a centurion ones. Okay. I did the Thames path. And uh, just sort of got a bit addicted to doing the really long distance stuff. So I how think. did that Thames Path go? Then I've got a flat one, and a lot of people. Sorry, say it again. How did Thames Path go? Because it's quite a flat one, so a lot of people actually struggle with that more than they expect. Yeah, I think I think um, you've done it, haven't you? Yeah. Have you yeah, I think people um, erroneously expect it to be the easy one of the four, mm. um, and it's it's just. It, you know, like, it's just hard. I mean, I, I picked it because it was flat and I lived in Portsmouth at the time and had only flat places to run because I just spent, you know, days running across up and down the seafront. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that 
run, running running by the sea, running by the river, you know, it's very similar. So it kind of seems to be that natural kind of like one, one for me to do. Um, so I had a crack at it, had no idea what I was doing, just wanted to be, be able to do it. I think like uh, with ultra running for me, it was very much like, um, I think it tied into that kind of uh, rock star type thing because it's, you know, it's big things. It's big inspirational kind of like distances, isn't it? And it's, yeah. you know, and it's a big undertaking. I think, you know, like it, it just kind of appealed to me. So when I saw like Thames Path, I thought I'd go and do that and just, just gave it a go, like ran a bit, walked a bit. Um, very unscientific you know, then just kind of took it yeah and... ate a bit you know and and, and it really kicked my ass um and i feel i managed that in 25 hours and that was my first kind of like real proper long distance race i think i've done a few 50s and stuff but um yeah uh it, it you know like the blisters were intense i wore a pair of hockers hockers stinsons <laughs> um had probably enough food in my bag to last me about three days yeah some of it <laughs> like <laughs> just mainly picked up sausage rolls from the aid station and then threw them up in reading that kind of thing yeah you probably improved um, reading to be honest so. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good point actually <laughs> actually i did the thames path a few weeks back and um like they seem to have put the most aggressive geese in outside the Reading A station now, so oh, it just sort of adds to the danger of going through that. Well, that helps get you up the steps, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put a bit of a spring in your step. <laughs> so your first ten path thing you did in twenty five hours, and then what you did was that enough for you? Or do you want to go on and do more because you've done quite a few races since then, haven't you? Yeah, I've done a few. Um, I think that. You know, I think I've probably done more ultras than marathons now, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I sort of got the got the got the got the bug. So then went and did I think the Thames Path again the a year later, and then did the Autumn Hundreds, and I think I did the Autumn Hundred three years in a row. Yeah. Did the Thames Path three years in a row. It's slowly getting better and better. So started off absolutely terrible you know or you know well not terrible but you know finishing 100 is 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 a, is a good undertaking but yeah each one i've done i seem to have like progressed a little bit so i think i started off 25 hours on the thames path and then my third one i did 18 and a half so that. there was a yeah that's impressive little bit of a progression there um and same with the autumn 100 i think I, the last one i managed 19 and a half on that so um, but yeah, just sort of did some Centurion ones and have like got a little bit kind of comfortable, I guess, like running these these races and then had had a go at the North Downs Way Hundreds, which I don't know if you've done. No, it's always clashing with the daughter's birthday. So every year I check right. those and pray that they're going to move it a week either side yeah. and happen. Yeah, so one year they will be. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, you know, if you're, it's probably one of the hardest races I've done, like... Um, for some reason that I can't really put my finger on, but it's always really kicked my ass massively. Yeah. Um, 
that that one and the Lakeland hundred sort of like spring to mind when you think about races that really put you through the ringer. Yeah, if you're putting North Downs in the same bracket as Lakeland, then maybe I won't do the North Downs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like if I'm honest, like late Lakeland, um, the Lakeland hundred just it throws more at you in like it, you know, the the underfoot conditions and the long climbs and the fact that you literally have no fucking idea where you're going any of the no, time. No, you're just wandering around yeah. on a hillside in the fog, generally, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then twelve hours later, you'll probably get heat stroke because the sun will come out just to yeah. just to piss us. Yeah. Mm. I remember, um, yeah, finishing finishing the Lakelands hundred, and was so traumatised by the experience. <laughs> I like phoned up a couple of my best mates and phoned up my mum and was just like, "Please don't ever ever let me do that again. <laughs> if you catch me near Coniston ever again, then just shoot me." So obviously I've got a place for 2021 now mm. and I literally have no idea why I'm going back. Because... I'm in exactly the same boat I did 2019. Finished it but hated it, but then thought I'll let fate decide to put my name in the ballot for 2020. Mm. Got in and was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, now I feel that's got rolled over to 2021 just because I didn't do anything with the place because... Yeah, you know what's doing? Yeah, so now I'm going back next year to endure. Oh, well, hopefully, be left terrible. I'll see you there. What was your time? Because awful. You know. <laughs> I don't even know. It was so embarrassing. It was just. I took longer doing that nearly than I did doing the Grand Union. That was obviously like nearly fifty miles further, <laughs> than it, which says a lot about how hard it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was like six I mean, hours or something. I don't know. It's just I finished in daylight, but not daylight Saturday, daylight Sunday. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, like any finish on that race, I've got to say that um, I did UTMB last year, and I was I was fresher at the end of UTMB than I was at the end of late. <laughs> That's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna have to look. That's 36 hours 44 minutes. That's my uh, brilliant set it time. Average time of 20 minutes a mile. So. Amazing. And that's the same as like your grand walks around Tesco's at that pace, probably. Yeah, I think I spent most of the most of my time on the late hundred changing my socks. Yeah, I so should I... have done that. I didn't, <laughs> and just my feet just disintegrated. And yeah, yeah. So even we're, though we're you enjoyed really... it that much, you thought I'm never going back to Lake District again, apart from the fact you signed up again because you're daft. And you thought, oh, I found another race that also goes across the Lake District. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So you decided <laughs> to do the coast to coast then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so for anyone that's not heard of it, what is the coast to coast? Okay, so Mark Cobain, he puts on a few of the sort of more difficult races, I think. More difficult. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way of phrasing brutally hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I like them because I think that to finish one, you've got to have everything go pretty bl pretty bloody well, mm. you know, and um, and be quite well trained up to start it. So that's why it appeal appeals to me because I think that I've got so comfortable in doing other distances like um, like the hundreds and I had to go at Grand Union last year, which is obviously 145, and that went relatively well as well. Um, what time do you get for that out of interest? Uh, 28 hours 46 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's um, quick because the winner's normally around about 24, 25 isn't it? So you're not that far behind yeah. the winner. Yeah I was um, 
fourth place. Um, Alexander, where is he? Won it, I think. Um, he did 25 hours. And then after that, within 45 minutes, was second, third and fourth. So there was a little bit of a race on it, like right at the end. <laughs> a race at 140 odd miles for the last five, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, but that was a good experience. So I knew that I could do the distance when it came to doing coast to coast. So it, coast to coast kind of takes you up from one side of the country to the other. So you go from the Irish Sea over to whatever the other sea is in... North Sea, is it, I guess? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. My job is terrible. <laughs> it goes from big puddle to big puddle. With but, I mean, it's, it's a route that's relatively well known, but most people cycle it, don't they, and take the best part of the day to cycle it. That's right, yeah. So we do a race, we do it all on foot, just to make it that bit more tricky. Yeah. And um, and it follows the cycle path as well. So it's got, um, it's mostly just, you know, pavement really, tarmac, other than a bit that after Keswick, you go on along the old, old coach road. Um, so you start in Whitehaven and then make your way sort of traversing the Lake District. And then when you, then you go onto the M6 and start, go through Penrith, and then you start to climb up onto the Pennines where you go up to a place called Hartside and then you cross the Pennines, go down the other side and down towards Newcastle and you finish in Tynemouth on the other side of the country. You might which... have really easy just, you know, over the Lake District, over the Pennines, down to the <laughs> Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's 140 miles, isn't it, the official distance or that's what the road well, is that's... does? Allegedly, 140 <laughs> miles. <laughs> what did you so, I, my my um my watch ran out at about 89 miles, and then I, I got it charged up, and then it turned on from, uh, which was officially the 100 mile point, which turned out to be something like 105 or 107 or something like that, um, and did the last 40. So, but the the winner took. Uh, recorded 145 and one of the things that really got me actually was I, I was I was going pretty well for the first 50 and it's not there's not that many massive climbs on it until you get through Keswick and after Keswick you 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 go off-road for one of the only bits off-road I think there's a couple of off-road bits but mm. um, you'll know it from the from the Lakelands hundreds you go on the old coach road yeah which, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it just goes on forever doesn't it and yeah. like it's when you start going up and there's about four full summits to it and then when you're up high it goes around the sort of like side of the fell doesn't it and um and it just goes on and on and on so i was feeling pretty good and then met my crew because you, there's no aid stations on this on, yeah on this that's what i was going to say yeah you're, you're saying the sort of the safety centurion events where you've got aid stations you know every 10 miles roughly and then you're doing this at 140 odd miles and there are no aid stations yeah yeah so it <laughs> so it's a bit like bad water i guess that that's what mark sells it as bad water style so he, he just provides you with a start and a finish and then you provide everything else. Um, so I had my partner Heather and her mother who were in the car and meeting me every six to ten miles. 
which was nice because you could eat what what you wanted and have some friendly faces um but after, after the old coach road i met up with them and they, they had this book that was provided beforehand to sort of tell you where to stop where's a good place to stop and where you're not going to get hassled by anyone and so i met her outside this pub and i had on my watch 51 miles but in the book it said 45 and like just the mental impact of that i like completely lost my shit and i was like fuck oh like how how have i lost six miles and just couldn't couldn't get my head around wow, it and wow. it really like messed with me and heaven was like look it says it here 45 miles and i was looking at my watch and it it just like hit me for six and was yeah was thinking, so you're not even a third of the way really through there and you're already yeah going yeah. five <laughs> miles and losing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um so i carried that with me for quite a while just you know that kind of like mental hole that you get yourself in i mean physically i felt fine but mentally i was just i started to think like where where have these five miles come from or six miles and you know in while it I, you know what it's not that much of a distance but when you've got 140 odd miles to run an extra six miles is like yeah i mean i gained <laughs> seven on the grand union canal when i did it and that's over the whole race not in the first 45 and that was definitely playing on my head for most of it that everything started <laughs> coming up later than it should be and it was just yeah uh, yeah mm -hmm. i think sometimes it's just good to not have a watch yeah I, some <laughs> of the better runners do just have a stopwatch don't know if so you press start at the beginning you press stop at the end you've done yeah whatever and yeah you don't know how far you run it's probably for the best sometimes <laughs> i think that's probably a really good idea um yeah, because I think you can get a bit too kind of focused on what, what's going on in your watch, can't you? Definitely. So in, in terms of timings, then, I mean, the, the one of the key bits about uh, Coast to Coast, the Grand Union we were talking about earlier, 145 flat miles, you get 45 mm. hours. Yours is 140 or possibly more like 145 by the sound of it, over the Lake District and over the Pennines, and you get 38 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Seven hours left for basically the same distance uphill yeah with uh yeah i think it's 12 to fourteen thousand feet of climb as well yeah. so and in september where you're gonna get a lot more variable weather than you know the last weekend in may when grand union normally is. yeah so yeah so, how confident were you actually gonna make it i have to admit i was tempted to sign up myself and then i looked at the cutoff and was just like that's a bit tight and that's that it, and being common sense kind of kicked in and that's one of the things that dissuaded me from signing up but you obviously decided you reckon you could do it well it wasn't that i thought that i could do it it's the fact that when i did sign up i was incredibly drunk at the time just go on ebay and like buy second-hand cars when they're drunk and you uh yeah you sign up sure. for 140 mile races <laughs> i can on I honestly say that there's probably four or five of the hundred mile plus races that i've done i've probably been drunk when i've signed up to because nice. i either see it and talk myself into it or someone says something like i don't think you'd be able to do that <laughs> <laughs> you know, like right <laughs> I'm you, yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so no i was i was uh, pretty out of it when i when i signed up to this one and have but i've always wanted to do it you know so it looked like a good route at the time not overly hilly but 
relatively lumpy. Um, but all on all on road, which is just so punishing. It just hurts. Really hurts. Yeah, I guess you're weighing up the options there, aren't you? Road, like you said, is a lot harder, but then you haven't got the technical terrain of like the Lakeland Hundreds, so it's yeah. yeah, it gives and it takes away, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, but there's, there's some, it was a nice route um, that when, when you come out of the Lake Districts, you can see the Pennines, right, just in the distance. And it's, it's quite lovely because it's a beautiful place. So you, you do feel really lucky that you, you're sort of out, um, you know, having a big day out, um, enjoying yourself, meeting people and going through places that you probably wouldn't normally do and would probably never do in one go. There was a, a video, wasn't there, on the uh, the Facebook group? It was you in the morning. You just run through the night over some section, and you look very cheerful and happy. To be honest, <laughs> well, you got a smile, haven't you? Exactly. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure I do an ultra. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I've, I was I was pretty close to the end then, so I think I started to believe and have some hope that I was going to finish. So, um, but yeah. It was that was on one of the more boring parts because it's quite flat after maybe 120 miles. I think okay. you've probably got a marathon that's relatively flat, um, which is nice but just dull. Um, but the the Pennines were good because you climb up to this place called Heartside, which is one of the viewpoints there, and that that's at night. And sort of got to the top of that, and it was really really windy and really dark, and all the boy racers were out in force. <laughs> and because it's a cycle route, it's not you don't get you don't get any protection like you would if you were running on a trail or anything like that. So you're exposed and doing these winding roads around the Pennines with all these boy racers going past you at <laughs> sixty miles an hour plus. It was pretty scary. Um, I presume you're very spread out on your own, aren't you? Because there's not a lot of people that even start this. So it's not like the Centurion where if you probably waited for five minutes, somebody would catch you up. You're yeah. Yeah, I think that I was after maybe eight miles, I was on my own for, yeah. for, for the whole race, really. So um, other than like past a couple of people, had a quick chat, said hello, met the world's most miserable man. So that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who I think had, had gone the wrong way and was in a little bit of a hole. So killed my buzz. And I was like, oh, it's it's really yeah, yeah no, how do you cope with that long on your own? Because that's something that if yeah, people haven't done sort of longer ultras, of just yeah. can't quite comprehend that you could be in a race and almost run on your own the whole way. Yeah, it's a good question, really, because I don't know. I'm I'm not a runner that tends to listen to music, so I you know my I like to sort of get out and use it as a bit of meditation and mm. a bit of my chill out. It's like my time away from work and my time away from life. So I'm quite used to, I've got a high tolerance of boredom, I think. <laughs> 29 hours of boredom. Is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, it's, it's, the thing is with Mark's race as well, is that if you wanted to listen to music, you're not allowed because you'd get disqualified. So I didn't realise that. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's going to crawl, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's one of his stipulations is no moaning, no cheating sticks and no music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so i think that we went went past this bit that was like through this town and went past barnard barnard castle which gave me like five oh, yeah. minutes of 
of Did giggle. You stop for an eye test, or yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite fun, and then you sort of climb up to the northern Pennines, which was, I honestly say, was the most vulnerable that I've ever felt, like running an ultra, because you you sort of got a hundred miles in your legs, not feeling particularly fresh. Um, energy level's pretty good, but the wind and the cold was and the exposure you get up there and, and there's no one around and you know you're pretty it puts you in a really really vulnerable position so for maybe about an hour up there and going up these hills it was it was really quite um i guess it was sort of quite liberating and it was quite uh interesting as as an experience to kind of feel so vulnerable and exposed in an ultra but it was um it was definitely good to get down into a town after that and feel yeah. a little bit more protected so that's you've not even got check points to look forward to have you it's not only five miles off here attend no. to the cheerful people and food you're, you're just trudging on your own hoping exactly the right way. <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the thing i'm like the it was pretty easy to navigate because that because you just follow the blue cycle signs and you, you you join up about four or five different routes of like route 72 and route 15 or route 14 so they all join up to create okay. this like long trail across the country um but i just kept on going wrong and like at first i'll just laugh it off but when it got towards the end and i kept on going wrong and going down the wrong road and get a phone call from someone saying go down the wrong road turn around did you have a tracker on then did people how did people know you'd gone the wrong way yeah because there's a tracker online um so i had obviously my crew monitoring that and every time i was an idiot and went the wrong way i got a phone call like a couple of minutes later <laughs> immediately as soon as i got the call was like oh bollocks and turn around that's got to be demoralizing yeah 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 it was and um, one of the other kind of things that i was i was aiming for was to get try, try and get an auto qualifier for spartathlon yeah which was which i erroneously believed was 28 hours 48 minutes okay um so in the last kind of 20 miles had sort of like tried to ramp up the pace a little bit so i was doing between 10 and 12 minute miles which i thought was all right for that you know, is very quick for that stage, yeah if people are still doing marathons that probably sounds terrible doesn't it but yeah, when you get over 100 miles, anything in the low teens is uh, impressive. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, I, I kept on going because I had that aim. And then the sort of the Sparta qualifier time kind of came and went, despite myself running myself into the ground, you know, <laughs> to try and get it. And um, I, a couple of days ago, just sort of looked online just to see. And they've moved the goalposts again. So it was actually something like, 26 hours and 30 minutes or something so i was like oh for god's sake so i'd spent like two or three hours of the at the end of the race running really really hard when i just didn't need to so, that is hey. quite annoying but i suppose you in the end you were what an hour and a half ahead of third place so that might potentially made a difference i guess yeah 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 so i think i did 29.06 and then steve who came third he's he i think has done it three times so he's got probably got a screw loose there <laughs> he just said he had 47 so yeah it's yeah that, yeah that could have made a difference i suppose but 
yeah, I know when I did Grand Union, I had a goal of a particular time in my head and just killed myself trying to get it, even though it was just a pointless arbitrary time. I think sometimes it, yeah. it gives you something to focus on, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah when you signed this... up, did you have that in your head as a target or was it nearer the time you kind of found that it might have been a qualifier? Um, I, I honestly didn't know what I could do, but because I'd done 28 hours at Grand Union, I, I kind of assumed that I'd probably be able to do it sort of 30 to 32-ish. Mm. Um, and I think that the... I think the big difference is that at Grand Union, you have to take the discipline to take walking breaks. Yeah. Whereas if you're going through the Pennines and the Lake Districts, you've, you've got the, the hills that tell you when you have to walk. And that's really, really helpful. So um, you've got more runnable downhills and you can sort of make up a little bit of time. So, yeah, and I think you're using, yeah. So although it's lumpier, it, it, it does kind of like, give you a bit of an advantage because, because you're not you're not having to kind of purposefully stop and walk every half an hour. Yeah, I found like comparing sort of 10th path to South Downs under the South Downs actually found easier because like you said, it's undulating, isn't it? So it gives yeah. you those breaks. It, it gives you a, a point you have to start running, otherwise you'd look a lazy git walking down here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it stops you running yeah. too fast and it stops you walking too fast. Well. Whereas on the flat, yeah. it's entirely in your own head, isn't it? So. Yeah, it does. I mean, like I think Grand Union, I, I just stuck religiously to 25 minutes running and then five minutes walking from the start. So that 25 minutes in when you're having a walk and everyone runs past, it's kind of hard to keep your head kind of on the plan. But mentally, it's probably quite hard. I think I ran for about the first well, marathon distance I think when I did Grand Union and then just gradually slowed up. So Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. probably run past you quite happily and then you'd have absolutely caned me if we'd done it the same year. Yeah, well, it's you know, like it's the thing. I think that you have to kind of trust in either whoever coaches you or trust in in your plan for it, mm. because um, when, when that does happen, and um, people run past you, and and you've got to try and just think bigger picture about the the, the bigger distance. And I think at C to C, I'd I had about five or six people in front of me for for probably half the race and was still kind of confident that I was going to be able to pass, you know, two or three of those at least, I, I thought, just because because you can see when people go off, you know, so when, when someone's running off at 5k pace and they've got 140 miles to run, you just think that you're either an elite or you're going to blow up and I'll pass you at some point even at DNF. Because In terms of positions and when you're getting that feedback uh, from your support crew or... Or how do you know where you are in the race? Well, I wasn't really that fussed about it, but um, I think when, when I got to Harkside, I think that I could see two or three people up on the on the Pennines. Oh, yeah. Because you had, had to wear a little kind of like flashy red light on, on your back. So you could see people up ahead. And I've not seen anyone for a number of hours. So I knew that I, I was actually catching people. And then, I know, maybe 10 miles later, it just kind of like, so we past them and they ended up finishing maybe three or four hours after me yeah. so i think you know it's the the thing to learn i think that or the thing that i've taken away from only two hundred hundred plus races that i've done is to really kind of like look at that bigger picture and and think that you know if, if someone is running ahead then 
you know, as long as you sort of stick to a sensible pace and do the walking breaks, there's a high chance that you're going to end up passing a lot of people. That's good. And do you say anything witty as you go past, like, you know, thanks for the warm-up or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Bellowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a walking race, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just trip them up and start like <laughs> So in terms of uh, crew, then, as you said, it's uh, you have to recruit on this. Yeah. Uh, I did notice that even specific about it has to be a small car, I even noticed, that you can't have like a Winnebago or something following you. So how does that work out and how do you convince uh, two people that it'd be a really fun way to spend a weekend in a small <laughs> car full of your sweaty yeah. running gear getting showered out every five miles? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you've... You've got, to, you've got to prepare the people for you being a diva at some point <laughs> and that you're going to lose your shit and throw your toys out of the pram. Right, right. Um, no, I, it's pretty easy. I think that the two people, Heather and her mum, paced me for Grand Union and that was such a lovely day out. Like, mm. it was hot and sunny. They thought it was going to be exactly the same. Like, <laughs> what's that? May in the south of England and then yeah. versus September up north. <laughs> it's a bit different, isn't it? But we we bought loads of food and it was it was awesome because the great thing about crew is if you've got a little camping stove then you can have a hot bowl of pasta every like ten miles. I find that's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I did my usual loads of goo gels for in between, um, a bit of coke, a couple of cans of Red Bull, you know. When a lot of people to... don't use gels for kind of the longer stuff. I certainly never have, but obviously it must work for you if you kept it down and. Yeah, finishing second place. Yeah, I think that because when, when you do do long stuff, you need to have proper food, don't you? Mm. But between that, to keep your energy up, I think that goo gel, goo gels work for me anyway, especially with a bit of caffeine. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, yeah. they're the most portable thing if they work, aren't they? They're ideal, just a lot of people struggle over the longer distances and mm. spend more time vomiting them in the bush than they do getting any energy out of them. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good point. I mean, the, the good thing about C2C is that I didn't have any stomach problems at all, really, other than um, just needing to sort of jump in a bush every now and again. But um, at the Thames Path three or four weeks ago, I've gone out too fast and then spent 60 miles being sick. So. <laughs> <laughs> you still got a good time at that, though, didn't you? What did you get on that again? 1843, I think. Yeah, I think many of us would happily spend six hours being sick and get an 18-hour train <laughs> for 100 miles. <laughs> and I noticed on the rules as well that, because um, Mark's sadistic, um, if you get in any of the cars, it's an instant disqualification, I noticed on the rules. So you can't even you know, get in a car, put the heating on, and have a 40-minute nap in the dry. No, no. You're literally outside, exposed for the full well 38 hours if you take the full amount of time yeah yeah i mean this as well i think that one, one of the things that i learned from the thames path a few weeks back was that i think when where i'd gone out too fast i just wanted to sit down all the time so every time i met my crew or went to an a station just sat down and then ended up wasting like five minutes to sat down so on this on c to c i made sure that i didn't sit down at all until the very end so as soon as I met crew, I just like got some water, had something to eat, and hopefully I can carry with them and just crack on. So never really stopped for more than a, no, 
maybe five minutes would be the maximum, I think, and that would be just to down some pasta and then crack on. Um, that's worked for me in the past, but then I've also learned that sitting down works as well. So I think it's you've got to kind of like gauge what what type of race it is. I think, but yeah, it was it was good to finish that race and then sit on the bench at the end. But there's no fanfare with Mark's races. I mean, the, I did notice the finished videos were literally people running up a hill to a bench and then sitting down on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's no one there. It's not like UTMB or something. <laughs> no flavoured arch and marching band and red carpet or anything. No. Yeah, it's funny though, actually, because when I did UTMB last year, I finished at two o'clock in the morning and there was there was a couple of guys with cowbells, my mum, my partner and a couple of friends there. So... Uh, it was pretty sparse, but it was one of the more lively finish lines, even at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but got up at maybe eight, had like a few hours sleep, then got up to go and get some breakfast in Chamonix the next morning. And there was only a fucking samba band for the rest <laughs> of these people. Like, so you should have like longer, thousands... that's punishment being too quick. <laughs> yeah. It's like thousands of people lining the streets with samba bands, everyone dancing, cowbells everywhere. And I was like, where the fuck were you when I was yeah. <laughs> You should have gone and got your gear back on and tried to recreate the finish. Yeah. <laughs> Looking remarkably fresh like a man that was showered. It's yeah. <laughs> a good idea. I'll do that next time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Neil, you might get two medals that way. You could be sent them online. Yeah. yeah. So uh, something we didn't uh, touch on, which I meant to earlier, is how do you train for 145 or 140 miles when pretty much every race in the country is cancelled for the previous six months? Mm. Um, that's a good question. Um, well, I've got a coach, Michelle Maxwell, who's brilliant, who, I, um, who I've had for a couple of years now. And the reason I got her was because she, I, I went into this race called Transvolcania, which is almost all uphill. That's and nice. I had no idea how to approach that but have just kept with her so now at that point where I just don't need to think about what I'm going to do that day to train because she tells me so I'm quite submissive to her she's my you know, <laughs> she's like my running mistress I guess <laughs> um but yeah I, like this year we've just we've just trained like we did, started off trying to get quicker at 5k and I've been in Thailand and Cambodia for the start of the year so I had a couple nice. of months off just chilling out and then came back and we had worked on some speed so for, for a couple of months just worked on you know I've got my 5k time down to 18 50 odd something like that and then and then started to work towards races but everything got cancelled so we're just kind of doing a few weeks you know cranking up the mileage and then have a recovery week and aiming towards races hoping that they'll go on and I think I think the only one was Thames Path. I think that was the first one, really, that, that we'd done. And she did that as well. And I managed to beat her by about five minutes, which was... <laughs> I was going to try to do that. <laughs> but you just... Like, the, the training, it's just kind of... Do a couple of speed sessions a week and then do a long run at the weekend. It's not more compl complicated than that. That's interesting. Uh, a lot of people probably wouldn't have done much speed training, you think, often on the face of it, if you're doing... 140 hilly miles that speed work is possibly the last thing what people bother to include. 
yeah it's I, I think it's really important so i've always i was i remember hearing years ago that it's junk miles unless that people do too many junk miles so mm. it should either come into the bracket of like is it a speed session is it a hill session or is it a long run like tempo run type or yeah. you know like a tempo or hill session or a long run and if you're not doing them it's either a recovery run or a junk or junk miles so you should and what i do now is make sure that i don't do any of those pointless junk miles where you're just going for the sake of it so every yeah. session has some kind of purpose to it and that seems to have really helped. And what sort of mileage out of interest are you doing a week? What do you do if you train for 140 miles? Um, probably max out about 70 or 80 miles a week. And they wouldn't run further than about 30 miles in one session. Okay. Yeah. And it's pretty, pretty heavy training load there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of time and you just get a bit fed up with it by the time the race comes. So <laughs> when you do these things, you, you do think, oh, how, can I, how long can I carry on doing this? Because it does take up a lot of time. And Heather, my partner, she's just doing, she's doing the South Downs 100 in a few weeks. Oh, excellent. And she started to kind of understand the kind of commitment and dedication you need to it to do. Because like, she, she ends up having to get up and do eight miles before work. And that's not really normal for a lot of people, is it? You know, no. and then doing a marathon at the weekend, you know, so it takes up a lot of time and, you know, I kind of want an easy life as well. So yeah, going, I think you can't be permanently in that kind of training state, can you? A lot of people realise this year the race is cancelled. Some of us are like really smashed themselves and others are sort of, you know, chilled for six months and we'll probably pick it up again for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that, like, I don't know, going forward, I think I'm going to do races that inspire me, just so that I've got that motivation. Mm. Because otherwise, I'm just going to end up doing the same thing, probably breaking myself and not getting anywhere. You know. So. Yeah, I did a uh, march due to the accumulator in May, and I've been a bit semi-injured since then. So, oh really? <laughs> That's even worth injuring yourself on a virtual non-race. <laughs> yeah, that that that's a bit insane though. I can't believe did you finish it? I did, yeah. But yeah, wow. five <laughs> forty miles I think I did for the month or something. What? So yeah. It's it <laughs> was certainly my highest month for a long time. Last week was two hundred mile a week, which is I've possibly done that like the Grand Union week with other runs, but not that I sort of noticed or intentionally. Yeah. I mean, like, did you do the Centurion 100-mile week? Yeah, that overlapped. So I felt a bit of a cheat there. And that if I went out for a run, it was the accumulator and it was the Centurion 100-mile yeah. week one. See, the 100-mile week, I thought, was just about achievable for me. But I couldn't imagine doing double that. That's just... It, it was painful. <laughs> ridiculous. I finished it all right. And then I rested for two days. And then, like, the next run out went really gentle and... I think it was a knee that kind of just tweaked a bit and it's yeah, yeah. it's not been great since on and off but mm. well, this, do you know what like kind of ironically that i was i felt pretty all right after get doing c to c but the other day just getting into bed i think i pulled a muscle in my in my arse <laughs> i do find that though it's, if you it's the little things you do isn't it yeah, <laughs> like you know, just twist into loads of dishwasher or something, and you're like, Oh, yeah, there yeah. you go, that's a running into this <laughs> way. Yeah. 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 
Uh, so, I should say, after there were there were a few cutoffs, weren't there, on the race? So, 25, 50, and 100, but presumably you're running at your pace. You were well ahead of that. Did you know you were ahead, or did this? Um, yeah, I think I did. I think I, I knew I was going at a pretty good pace. Oh, so you so weren't having that nervousness. No, I've not. I'm yet to do one that was that I'm chasing cutoffs. But imagine if I when it did something like Sparta, I'd be right at the back of the field or something like that. Yeah, because that's got quite aggressive early cutoff, isn't it? You've got to do a yeah. I can't remember the cut, but yeah, you've got to go off pretty hard just to make that cutoff, and then you can not exactly back off, but fall mm. apart a bit more leisurely. I think you, I think you're allowed to relax after a hundred miles, which just seems completely unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I really fancy doing that at some point, but. Yeah. So on the C to C, we said you came in at second place at 29 hours, which is ridiculous. Um, did you know how far behind you were from first place? Was there any temptation to try and catch him? Or yeah, yeah, I did. I think that um, I think around a hundred mile mark, I was told like I just don't don't worry about him, like because he's eight miles or ten miles ahead. Yeah. I was like, oh fuck it, then I'm just gonna. And I wasn't racing now. I've never really gone to do a race, like, in that sense of trying to beat other people. It's always been something that I like to go out and have a big day out and do a long distance and have that sense of accomplishment. Um, but there was, there was a guy behind me that I chatted with earlier who, who was a lovely guy and um, he'd done it a, a few times before. So I thought, you know, he's probably going to pass me. But then... Um, I started to kind of think, oh, maybe I should make sure that he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so spent so so probably like between 100 and 120 miles, 130 miles was just trying to make sure that I got some distance between him and me. And in the end, I, I did manage to. Mm-hmm. And then I remember thinking that, like, I, I remember Heather saying to me that I'm starting to make some time up on the guy in front of me as well. And I was like, oh, God, God's sake. And I thought I only had an hour or so left, but um, had turned out when I went over the Tyne Bridge or something, there was still 14 miles to go, and I thought there was about two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit pissed off. But um, no, I mean, he, he, was, he was really quick, and I, I, I don't think I'd ever be able to catch him like, unless there was another like 20 miles or so. But, he, you know, he was a real strong, strong runner. So no, I don't think I'd be able to catch him. But. There were eight finishers in total, weren't they? So it's, yeah, that's a measure of quite how hard it is. Yeah, I think it's probably just under 50% finish, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually probably higher than you expect, because sort of late and sort of 50% finish, isn't it? I would. Yeah. I'd imagine it's probably easier in terms of having eight stations and two thirds of distance. Yeah, and for one of Mark's races, I think that's pretty pretty high, really, as well. Yeah. In December last year, I went and had a crack at the hill on tour. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which was um, which was good. And I, I've tried that twice now, so he's got two DNFs up on me at the moment. So it's two one. And the first time I did, had a go at the hill, like fifty miles in, I was like, no, no way. This is just that, wasn't that horrendous weather last year as well. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of years ago, it got called off. So then he, he changed the location to the Cheviots. Mm. And uh, for a while in that, there was a sort of, it was a blizzard. And most of it was ankle deep swamp, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I managed to get up to 
almost 90 miles on that uh, before um, having no other well I think that the reason I DNF'd it was because suddenly my legs just went and I wasn't able to run whereas before it was definitely a mental thing and that wound me up because it was I had no reason to DNF other than my own weakness but this time there's a sort of genuine physical reason to to not do it but in the end no one finished that either so I think I was I don't know third DNF or something like that <laughs> to last I suppose, yeah, in a way, that kind of reaffirms the decision, doesn't it? If no one else finishes, you. Yeah. You've avoided the pointless mile. Yeah, so I think that, you know, given that he has eight finishes for C to C and none on the hill, it sort of goes to show that it's pretty, pretty difficult, really. Yeah. Cool. So, um, would you go back and do C to C if it's so easy you jogged in a second place? I don't know if I, I think that, I don't know. <laughs> what does it again? Uh, I'll, I'll wait to see what the recovery is like. So I feel, still, still feel a little bit broken. Okay. And um, if I honestly think I could do it a little bit quicker, then I'd probably go back and do it. But, and that's if it inspires me to want to go quicker on it. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's really tough and it really does take a lot out of you. I bet it does. Um, yeah. So this week I've had a week off work and I've done really not done anything other than get drunk. So. <laughs> I've done good recovery. I'm sure Mo Farah does the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear he likes special brew and Buckfast. Exactly. Cool. So um, for anyone looking at stupid length races, what would be your three sort of top tips for 100 plus milers? Um, yeah, so eat constantly. <laughs> eat as much as you can. You've got to keep that engine burning. Um, eat, eat like, you know, bowls of pasta, sandwiches, get lots of salty food in you, get lots of sugary food for when you feel, feel down and then um, that will keep, you, keep your body in it. Um, I guess the second top tip would be just to take it really easy from the start and not, not to feel any pressure to finish because you have to be prepared that you're going to be out there for more than a day. And if it's, if it's one of Mark's races, you've got to be prepared that it's probably more than a day and more than a day and a half. And the weather's going to be crap as well. And it's yeah. going to be hard. So just don't put any pressure on yourself. You've got, got to try and keep your head in it. Cause if you go out too fast, then you, you're going to lose your head and that's not going to be very helpful. No. And, uh, I guess the third top tip is that, you know, only do if it really inspires you. I think if it's something that you really want to do because it, it takes a lot to get to the start line. And while it's also all kind of impressive to finish these things, you, you do spend, you know, 10 hours a week at least running, doing, you know, as which you have to get around your day job as well, which That's is important. Yeah, you've got to fit that around your life in general, haven't you? And it's yeah. And it, and it costs a lot to eat enough food to keep you going. To, to do. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, you know, if you want to do it and go for it, it's, it's brilliant and it's really, really rewarding. It's just you've got to want to do it. This was going to be the last edition of CTC, wasn't it? But I know if he said he's going to probably do another one. Yeah. So, I don't know. Why don't you go and do it then? <laughs> I am kind but of oddly tempted, I have to say. Yeah. As you know, what it's it's a wicked route, and there is there is something really cool about dipping your foot 
in the Irish Sea and then going over the other side of the country. Yeah, I did Grand Canaire and that was similar to the length of the island. Obviously, it's not a hugely big island, but that's yeah. still pretty cool to stand on the coast going, you know, however many hours ago I was on the other coast and I was, you know, yeah. the length of an island. It is pretty neat. Uh, well, if you can do Trans Grand Canaria, then I'm sure you can do Sea to Sea. Yeah, but it's all yeah. nice weather though. I don't like the rain. I'm so powered, I think. <laughs> Put a jumper on. <laughs> Put a jumper on and a torch over your head. <laughs> so, on a wider basis, are there any other races you've got coming up? Or assuming um, anything isn't cancelled? Okay, so, yeah. Um, potentially the South Downs 100 in a few weeks. Because um, I live on the South Downs and I love the route. So, yeah. it feels like it's, you know, like a bit of, bit of fun not far from home. And then the ne- next year, I've, I've put my name in the hat for the tunnel. So that's Ooh. paid for. Yeah, uh, I that's another one I always fancy. I'm not sure because that's, for anyone that's not heard of it, it's 200 miles, isn't it? Backwards and forwards through a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've really seen it compared to what you've just done, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I think that there's two kinds of races, aren't there? There's ones, like when it comes to sort of like distance thing that, well, there's maybe a couple of pe- couple of types of people. Ones ones that like the real kind of mental anguish and mm. that that challenge and the torture of it all. Well, there's people that like stuff like UTMB and like being out in amazing yeah, places and adventure. Yeah, and I, I'm I guess I'm a bit, a bit of both. But there's something about 200 miles in a tunnel which is strangely appealing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, you know, it's one of those things I want to go and experience it. I you know, to see if I can do it and to see what it's like, because I have no idea what it's going to be like to run 200 miles in the tunnel. So why the fuck not go and find out? That was my thinking as well. And it's always yeah. like my birthday weekend as well, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Oh. But <laughs> I think last <laughs> year was literally at some point during the race, I would have turned, you know, my birthday would have cropped up and I'd have celebrated my birthday alone in the tunnel in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can, you know, you can have your birthday the week weekend after to True, celebrate yeah. your 200 miles in a tunnel, can't you? So. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, best of luck for that, then. Yeah, cheers. I'll and let you know how it goes. Wanna, yeah, if people want to see how you get on and stuff, are you on Twitter or Instagram? Any social media? Yeah, so I think Twitter and Instagram, I'm... Uh, oh, no, Twitter, I'm at Rock and Runner. Instagram, Big Shanky, which is <laughs> a long story from musical days. Right. And then don't Harvey on Facebook if you want to ask me or ask me some questions. Then please feel Very free. Bad. I can't guarantee a decent answer. But. Well, yeah, there's not many people that don't quite have any daft answers as you, so you'll be <laughs> certainly a, a good resource for anyone attempting something daft. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on today. Much appreciated. Right. Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks to David for coming on talking to us about the race. I think the way Cashew dropped in that he's doing the South Downs 100 in a few weeks is a measure of just how capable he is. Most runners build for months for an event like that, not slotting in a little cool down race after the main A race of the year. Coming up, we've got future episodes covering Chicago Marathon, and I finally got Math to agree to come on and talk about Shires and Spires. If there's any other events you'd like to see covered, then please get in touch. Game over.